1: You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We do have new information
2: on the indictment now facing Donald Trump in Manhattan. Bloomberg News reporting the former president will be arraigned on Tuesday at the New York State Supreme Courthouse in Lower Manhattan. Now we've added a time, 2.15 p.m. He will enter a plea of not guilty. Trump attorney Joe Tacopina on ABC's Good Morning America.
1: I understand they're going to be closing off blocks around the courthouse, shutting down the courthouse. Um, you know, we'll go in there um, and we'll proceed to see a judge at some point. Plead not guilty. Um, start talking about filing motions, which we will do immediately um, and, and very aggressively regarding the, the vi- legal viability of this, this case. Tacopina says his client was surprised by the
2: news last night, even though... Donald Trump predicted he would be arrested in this case almost two weeks ago.
1: He predicted his own arrest based on a leak, George, that had happened about three weeks ago, uh, where there was a law enforcement meeting that was happening the day before to go through the, the logistics of an arraignment. so he he predicted it based on uh, rumors and leaks and whatnot. And, and this case has been permeated with rumors and leaks. President Biden chose
2: not to comment on the case when he was asked on his way out of the White House this morning.
3: Do you are you are going to to country the indictment.
2: I have no comment
4: on that. <laughs> this is, this is... No, I, uh, I'm not going to talk about Trump's indictment.
2: Not going to talk about it. That's been consistent. Of course, we heard the same from the press office. Don't expect the White House to weigh in. You better believe, though, Michael Cohen is Donald Trump's former lawyer and former fixer who served jail time for making the payments to Stormy Daniels. He is
3: about to get a taste of what I went through. And I promise you, it's not fun.
2: <laughs> Trump's former Vice President Mike Pence was asked about it last evening on CNN. Right, well,
5: I think the unprecedented indictment of a former president of the United States on a campaign finance issue is an outrage. And, and it appears to uh, for millions of Americans to be nothing more than a political prosecution that's driven by a prosecutor who
2: literally ran for office on a pledge to indict the former president. That's where we begin with Stephanie Murphy, the former Congresswoman from Florida who served on the January 6th committee is with us now on Bloomberg Radio. Congresswoman, thanks for your time. It's good to have you back. Was it right for the Manhattan DA to make history with this case in indicting a former president?
6: Well, let's be really clear that it wasn't just the Manhattan DA. It was actually a grand jury that uh, when presented with the information thought that there might be something criminal that had happened here and proceeded uh, with the charges. So I know there's a lot of focus on the DA, but um, this is working through the system the way that the American judicial system is supposed to work. And um, those folks saw something that they thought needed further examination. And the former president is going to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to um, have a, a jury of his peers and, you know, have due process um, through this system.
2: Well, tackopina and you look, you've heard the reaction from your former Republican colleagues in the House. They say that not only is this unprecedented, it destroys the rule of law, that this case they see not rising to the level of indictment was not the way to break precedent, to set history in indicting a former president, knowing that we have several other cases out there that folks might feel differently about, allegedly attempting to overturn the election. The material that you dealt with, for instance, on the January 6th committee. Is this the case to crack the seal on this?
6: You know, I, I think that there are a lot of um, uh, there's a lot more information that needs to be seen. None of us have actually seen what the indictment says. Um, but. What I will say is that I believe in our judicial system and I find it offensive that uh, there are people who for partisan um, purposes are attacking our judicial system. Uh, We don't need one other institution of the American government that is undermined by the very leaders that we've elected.
2: You make a great point. Uh, It's not just the DA and we continue to hear the, the Soros dog whistle describing him, but this was in fact a grand jury. Uh, CNN reporting, and it it, it was something to, to hear last night. We could have over 30 counts involved here. Uh, the idea, Stephanie, is that there could be much more than Michael Cohen's testimony at hand, that there was other evidence that he was looking at. Is that your feel at this stage of the game?
6: You know, I'm, I'm waiting to get the facts. And I think that we have to... Um, recognize that the grand jury actually has all of that information and they're moving forward based on that information. Um, But, you know, we would be naive to not acknowledge that there is also a public perception and a political strategy um, issue and perspective here, in addition to just uh, the court's and the judicial system doing what they're doing. And I think that's what makes this newsworthy is that, you know, there are implications from a a political and a public perspective, Mm -hmm. but those things shouldn't stop our system from holding people to account. Right. Like nobody should be above the law, no matter what kind of public outrage or political consequences exist.
2: Yeah. Look, we just played Michael Cohen uh, reacting to this. He did jail time for this. And a lot of people think that that should be uh, played out equally here, that, you know, quote unquote, no one is above the law. But Congresswoman, how does this affect the other cases against him? Do you have a sense of that, knowing that we have the special counsel here in Washington, the grand jury in Fulton County, or are these all separate entities that could all do whatever they want on their own time?
6: I think they need to all be separate entities because they they are all separate issues. And Nobody should proceed in this way unless they have a case that they think can prevail, because the reality is that whenever um, folks try to swing at the former president and if they miss, they just make him stronger. And and I think it's important that we have systems that actually um, move on fact and evidence and uh, move forward with the ability to actually um, see these cases to their rightful end, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being political um, mechanisms.
2: I want to ask you about the reaction that we've heard from members of Congress. Of course, a lot of it predictable. We're hearing from, you know, in many cases, extremes on the left and the right who have predetermined ideas here Uh, We'll start with the Democrats. Maxine Waters was essentially celebrating this. It's about time, exclamation point on Twitter. Is that helpful or does that actually uh, create the potential for some blowback on the Democratic Party if it looks like this is this is a celebration?
6: We shouldn't (laughs) neither celebrate or mourn. Right. Um, It just doing either further divides this country at a time when um, we are already quite divided. What we need to do is to believe in our system and believe that nobody is above the law. And if there was a crime that was committed, the person, whoever they are, will be held to account. And if they weren't, they'll have an opportunity for due process. I think there's we're losing faith in our institutions. If you look at polling, the American people are losing faith in their institutions, Mm -hmm. and. It's one thing to lose faith in Congress. It's a totally different thing to lose faith in our judicial system, too. And so it's really important that people who are elected use their words wisely and understand that their rhetoric has consequences. And they should flip the coin, right, and think to themselves, if it was somebody of their own party, would they respond or behave the way that they are in this case?
2: Well, on the other side of the aisle, we heard from the speaker himself, Kevin McCarthy, uh, tweets, Alvin Bragg has irreparably damaged our country in an attempt to interfere in our presidential election. He goes on to write from there, but uh, that's a lot just to start that one line, irreparable damage, Mm -hmm. interference with an election. How do you respond to that?
6: You know, that is Speaker McCarthy not understanding our judicial system because it isn't just about the D.A., the folks who decided to move forward with this, uh, with the indictment, was a grand jury. This is the way our country is set up. You have a grand jury, you have an opportunity to file, to dismiss, you have multiple opportunities of due process uh, throughout this, and then eventually you get tried before a uh, jury of your peers. And so for him to attack a person individually is irresponsible because we have seen what has happened when people who are in elected positions um, target individual people. Um, I served on the January 6th committee. I know that way too well.
2: Well, let's get into that for a moment. There are barricades uh, up in front of uh, Capitol Hill where you used to work until a short time ago. There are barricades up in front of the courthouse in New York. We haven't actually seen uh, organized, at least, protests break out. The one that we were following in New York earlier this week, or I guess it was last week, there were more reporters showed up than protesters. Do you feel like this is a real threat of violence right now?
6: I certainly hope it is not um because what we saw in January 6 was that there were a lot of people who believed uh powerful people in this country they believed the lies that these powerful people um spread and they acted on them and now their lives are ir- you know they are uh changed uh, irreparably yeah. they and and I I listened to so many testimonies where they're like well you know, this person told me this. I believe them. I showed up. I did these things mm-hmm. and now my life is ruined and I don't see anybody else um experiencing the consequences that I am. Right. You wonder. And so yeah. this is Yeah. This is the this is the problem here is that there are a lot of people who are in powerful positions who are not being very responsible about uh their platform and what they are telling people. And there are a lot of Americans who um, believe them and will act on it and it will result in devastating consequences for those average Americans, but not for the powerful people.
2: Well, I, I wonder if, if the events of January 6th and the hundreds of people who were jailed for for attacking the Capitol informs what's happening now. The law enforcement officials we've spoken with say that, you know, they're more worried about a lone wolf, for instance, than an actual organized Uh, attack like we saw on January 6th. Is that your fear, Congresswoman? And as someone who served on the committee, do you feel safe? Do you fear for your own safety?
6: You know, um, my staff and I always used to sort of uh, gallows humor, um, joke about we weren't worried about the people who called us a 100 times to tell us they were coming to hurt me. But we were worried about the person who never called at all that just showed up. And You know, the head of the U.S. Capitol Police just a few months ago said that there's not a more dangerous time to be an elected official than there is today. And so we need to turn down the rhetoric. You know, these people, I I, I genuinely believe I worked with people who cared about their community and their country and were trying to serve. And Mm -hmm. while we may not all agree on policy perspectives, the way to resolve those things uh, is through words, not through your fists. Like I tell my children all the time, you know, use your words, not your hands. Um, and, you know, we, we have to reclaim that. Um, there's a lot of challenges in front of this country right now. We need to have uh, debate, but not debate that results in violence.
2: You know, if we all just listened to our moms, we wouldn't have half the problems we have in That's this country right. right now. I think we're all well aware of that. With, with With regard to the investigations into January 6th specifically, we've got the special counsel, as I mentioned, here in Washington. and We've also got Fulton County in Georgia. You were dealing with many of the same materials that these investigations are in tandem as part of the January 6th committee. And I know there was talk about cooperation. Can you shed any light on that? Do you have any expectation uh, for either of these cases to resolve soon?
6: Well, so when we wrapped up the January 6th select committee, we uh, released our data and um, all of the information, the the mm-hmm. um, depositions, the transcripts, et cetera, et cetera are widely available. Mm-hmm. We are seeing Republicans weaponize that in ways where they cherry pick things that um, support their narrative. And I think that's a bit unfair. But Um, All of the information is out there, and I stand by the report. What I hope is for some of these other investigations to be able to leverage the information that we uh, were able to gather to further their uh, investigations. And then they need to come to a decision as to whether or not they believe there is something that was um, criminal, uh, criminal conduct happened, and whether or not they have a case that can be prosecuted.
2: I'm sure that you're waiting for news, uh, much like we are, and we'd love to talk to you when we learn more. It's great to have you back, Congresswoman. Stephanie Murphy, a former member of the January 6th Committee, former Congresswoman from Florida, with us here to get things started. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. No handcuffs when Donald Trump goes to the courthouse next Tuesday, set to enter a not guilty plea. His lawyer, Joe Tacopina, making the round series on, among other programs. Good morning, America, on ABC. Talking with George Stephanopoulos about not so much the agreement, but at least the the items that we already know about the way this
1: will unfold next week. Uh, the president will not be putting in handcuffs. Um, as far as the mugshot's concerned, perp walk. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm sure they'll try to make sure they get some, you know, joy out of this by, by parading him.
2: Remembering he wanted to be paraded. At least that would have, that's what had been reported. Should he smile? He wondered if he should wear a tie. He wanted to be handcuffed and given the perp walk for the sake of the photographs and the potential fundraising, the potential political impact. Let's assemble our panel. It's the day after, and we have the two voices you want to hear from, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, both of whom weighed in last evening here on Bloomberg, but now on SoundOn, our, of course, signature panel. They're all ours right now. Rick, I'll start with you here. Donald Trump apparently was surprised by this, even though he predicted it. Were you?
7: Yeah, I think that uh, Alvin Bragg had the head fake of the year. Uh, he had us all convinced that the grand jury wasn't going to meet again and and turn out a uh, indictment uh, until later in April. Uh, everyone was following the schedule. And uh, <laughs> and, and next thing you know, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, the indictment is announced. So. Uh, I, I think uh, Donald Trump claims he was surprised by that. And I think everybody else should be, too, because uh, I think it, they actually kept this under wraps pretty well, different from what the president's attorney was saying today. Uh, if this was a grand jury that was leaking a lot, we would have known yesterday that they were coming out and nobody did. So yeah. uh, uh, I, I think that Alvin Bragg at least got the, the, the first shot uh, in a clean environment where he was able to paint the indictment for what it was. Uh, Which is, I'm sure, why he was uh, trying to keep it quiet until the time that they announced it.
2: Jeannie, we don't know what the charges are going to be. There's talk reportedly 30 counts or something like that inside this uh, sealed affidavit, this sealed indictment. Was this the case with the little we know about it? And I want to be fair here because we don't know a lot. But we also know there are a couple of other grand juries looking at very important stuff like alleged attempts to overturn an election. Uh, For instance, the handling of classified documents. Is this matter, that of uh, hush money payments, the reason to set a precedent with the first ever indictment of a former president?
8: Yeah, and and I mean, I think it's important to underscore, we don't know what's in this indictment, and if there are 30 counts, it may include more than what we think, but what we think Mm -hmm. at this point at least is the falsified business records and a tie-in at the federal level to make it more than a misdemeanor in terms of campaign finance violations, and those are obviously serious, but maybe not in many people's minds quite as serious as what Fulton County Georgia's looking into, the Mar-a-Lago documents, or January 6th, and so... I think you raise a really important question because we are at a point where a norm in American politics and American history that has lasted over 200 years, obviously, a sitting president shouldn't be indicted. But now you have a former president being indicted, and in many people's minds, when it involves business records documents, maybe that doesn't rise to a level in which we break that norm. And you know, a lot of people, particularly Republican. Republicans believe that. And that's why they believe when Donald Trump says it is a political persecution, they believe that as well. Because, you know, in Alvin Bragg's defense, 117, we understand times in his, you know, 14 months as Manhattan DA, he has charged this crime. But we are not talking about a average person like me, we are talking about a former president. And so, You have to be very careful when you do this. And this is what is lending credence to Trump's argument that this is a witch hunt.
2: Rick, I've heard the name Al Capone uh, thrown around here a lot lately, the last couple of days, as people try to sort of qualify this or put it in perspective. Those who think this is a good idea say, hey, you know, they didn't get Al Capone on, on anything more than tax evasion. You take the case that you can get or 30 counts of business fraud, if that's what we're talking about here, worth it.
7: You know, it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, this is the process of uh, trying this case in the court of public opinion, right? Well, let's find a comparative example like Al Capone uh, that it, it's not a moral equivalent. Al Capone right. was a criminal, right? He brought banks, you know? And, 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 and so uh, you, comparing that to the pre- former president of the United States is just not a moral equivalent. Uh, and I think this is the task that that Alvin Bragg has in front of him. I mean, it's one thing to have prepared a case and gotten his uh, uh, grand jury to, uh, to report these indictments, but he's got a job of convincing the American public that this is the right thing to do. Um, you know, there's a Quinnipiac poll out showing 62% of all Americans believe Bragg's motivated by politics. This is not just Republicans, this mm-hmm. is Americans in general. And, and he's gotta convince them that it, this isn't about politics, that it's about the rule of law, it's about maintaining, you know, the idea that nobody is above the rule of law. And I would say he's done a really poor job of setting that up. I know that he had to get to this point, but where is he this weekend? What is he telling the public? Where are we going to be informed that somehow this has risen to the occasion? It's the first time a president of the United States will ever be indicted for, for a crime, either during or after their term of office.
2: Joe Tacopina, a Donald Trump's lawyer who I've played a couple of uh, clips from here, was asked again on ABC about this idea of 30 counts of business fraud. And it's interesting the way he words his answer. I've I've been through this with a number of lawmakers over the last couple of weeks and and analysts who have come on this program who speak about the payments as a matter of fact, here's Takokina.
1: It's still, I believe, all focused around this Stormy Daniels confidentiality settlement agreement, um, completely legal settlement agreement that was made years and years ago. Um, I, I think what they've done was take each check or payment um, and, and, and extrapolated account out of that. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be more uh, than what we expected as far as the factual patterns are concerned.
2: You never hear the word alleged, never hear supposedly or purportedly, Genie. He just said. What they've done is take each check or payment and extrapolate out of that. So they exist.
8: They do exist. And I think it's an acknowledgment of what we all know, that the payments did occur. But it is still a very difficult case for the prosecution in a number of ways in which the defense can go. And another thing we are hearing is Alan Weiselberg's name an awful lot. So as we think about these counts, you keep wondering is it more than the hush money payments to the porn star? Obviously, that in of itself is not a violation of the law. The, the violation would be the falsification of their records. That's a violation of New York State law. But I keep hearing the name Alan Weiselberg. Is he going to come in and testify? And are they going to be talking about something beyond those payments? I think those are big questions. And you know, I think we're going to all be watching this weekend to see do we get a sense as to what the charges are before the arraignment at 215 on Tuesday. Is that going to leak out? So far, it hasn't, but it very well might. And that may give us an indication of where they're headed mm-hmm. on this.
2: I suspect it could be a leaky weekend. Uh, Rick, what's your expectation the next couple of days? We have to wait till Tuesday? I don't think there's any evidence
7: that, that this has actually been much of a leaky uh, process out of the prosecutor's office. I mean, all the leaking that we've seen in the last three weeks have come from Donald Trump. That's and true. according to the, his lawyer, you know, he's just making this stuff up. So, um, you know, I I, I think that that we're going to learn when when the process begins and the process begins, it sounds like on Tuesday afternoon, you know, when Donald Trump reports for his arraignment. And 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 so I would say just on the point that Jeannie was making, um, you know, one of the things about these campaign finance violations is, um, you know, if you if you violate campaign finance rules and, and you admit it, uh, it's a misdemeanor by and large. If you violate a campaign finance rule and then try to cover it up, like what uh, I believe is alleged in this indictment, uh, then you have all kinds of other implications. Because maybe one of the ways that this was covered up was cooking the books within the Trump organization to shield the payments that were being made to the to to Michael Cohen, his lawyer, who then made the payments to Stormy Daniels. So it triggers a lot of downside risk for uh, for the trump organization depending upon how they reported this uh, again it's the classic washington dilemma it's mm. not the crime it's the cover-up to cover get up. you in trouble what
2: do you think of the arrangement uh Jeannie? no perp walk you disappointed
8: I think Trump is going to be disappointed. No, I think that is a very good thing. I think the last thing we need is a perp walk. Um, you know, I, I do think this mugshot may get out. And Alan Dershowitz yesterday was saying that it could serve as a campaign poster for the president, <laughs> former president. <laughs> right. If you can imagine. Um, I can. But I, I, I hope we would save our, ourselves all seeing a perp walk. And I'm glad to hear that he's not going to be handcuffed. I think the more this is toned down and the less divisive it is, if that's possible, uh, the better for all
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
2: Thanks for being with us on The Fastest Show in Politics. I'm Joe Matthew, live from Washington today as we get our heads around everything that we have heard and the great deal of information we have yet to learn involving this Trump indictment. Will it help Donald Trump, many ask, with more than the MAGA base? He seems to think so, having spent days raising money on the prediction of an arrest talked about it in advance of the indictment on Fox News.
4: I don't know whether it helps or hurts. I can tell you in my opinion it's a new way of cheating on elections. It's called election interference. What they're doing is if they can't win at the ballot box because I'm leading everybody by a lot in the polls for every Republican frankly and every Democrat by a lot including Biden by a lot (laughs) and uh, they can't beat you that way. They're going to do this kind of stuff.
2: Can't tell you what polls he's looking at but indeed he is leading the field here Assuming the field gets bigger, let's reassemble the panel. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. This is going to be the argument from here, Jeannie, whether it's this indictment or three, which uh, is entirely possible in in the, the scope of this presidential campaign cycle, that, hey, they can't beat me, so they're weaponizing the government. That's been the line for from the Republican Party. Can you see that sticking with independent voters?
8: No, you know, I, I think he's going to have real trouble with independent voters. You know, this is something that will stick with the base. But the reality is Donald Trump lost in 2020 and he lost the Republicans Congress in 22. So how is it that knowing that he paid off a porn star who he had an affair with going to help him gain the votes of independent voters? It's, you know, it's mind numbing. And of course, Joe Biden, the Democrats know that. And that's why they're hoping that the ticket is by Biden versus Trump, because they feel even though Biden is underwater in his favorables, if he's running against Trump, Trump isn't going to be able to add any votes that he had in 20 and in fact is likely to lose some votes. So, you know, it's mind numbing from that perspective. And I think that also raises the question, why yesterday were all of the people who are running against him from ron desantis to mike pence and others jumping out so fast before we even see the indictment to defend donald trump it is it, it's head scratching are they running against him or not if they're running against him they may want to hold their fire defending him and they may want to get out there because he is leading them in the polls right now
2: yeah, well yeah it certainly speaks to his grip on the party here uh, i don't know your thoughts on that rick but if if, if americans are not trusting of government institutions right now could his argument not stick? He, he's a victim here by a weaponized government?
7: Oh yeah I mean I, I think we need to only look back as far as two years to realize that uh, Donald Trump barely lost this presidential campaign uh, after having really uh, uh, been the most anti-government president of of our time and 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 even subsequent to uh, his conduct around the January 6th uh, attack on the Capitol and really trying to undermine the peaceful transfer of power in many different ways. He's still the leading Republican in this field for the nomination for 2020. Uh, I would say that in that same Quinnipiac poll that I quoted earlier that had 62 yeah. percent believing that this was a politically motivated prosecution, 57 percent of all Americans Uh, believe this disqualifies him from running for office. And so if that's a proxy, the problem that the Republican Party has is he very well could be the nominee. But Mm -hmm. under these terms, there's no way he could win a general election. And so, you know, it's a real trap that the party's gotten themselves into. And I do think it calls into question this sort of, you know, you know, going to the safe place by Republicans uh, by saying, oh, well, this is a politically motivated um, uh, prosecution that fits into the pop, you know, the normal public posture, but it doesn't help them uh, look at winning a general election in 2024. Yeah, Jeannie, uh,
2: is the gag order next? We have a story on the terminal that asks this question, knowing that Donald Trump has already taken to social media, warning of death and destruction, calling to action, protest, take our nation back. We've seen uh, certainly court orders restricting. Uh, what what a defendant says about the case is is that next
8: yeah Donald Trump is leaky as they say so it might be coming and we saw that with his his friend Roger Stone I think it's going to happen if Donald Trump takes to social media as you said and truth social and other things Mm -hmm. and starts you know making statements say potentially about the judge that trying to influence or, um, you know, threatened as, you know, not that he, I'm not saying he would, but threaten the jury in any way. Um, then we might see them put out a gag, or the judge rather, put out a gag order. And that's why this is going to be really, really tough for the judge in charge of this case. And I mentioned Roger Stone, because that is what happened in the case of Roger Stone. Sure. We remember he had that, um, you know, the, the photo of the judge and, you know, it is not, unlike the photo that donald trump put out and then backed away from with the bat to alvin bragg's head so i do think that if he continues down that line when it portends portends to the jury the judge and or the prosecutor we may see a gag order but i don't know how much he's going to um you know abide by it
2: you know he's going to push the line on that rick but you know roger stone was not a presidential candidate this is this could be a first amendment issue for donald trump no
7: well it's not even a First Amendment issue. The Constitution is very clear that states can't prohibit uh, 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 the conduct of a presidential candidate. Uh, it's the it's the classic uh, federal state divide. And so I think the judge would have incredibly difficulty uh, trying to gag a presidential candidate. Roger Stone wasn't a presidential candidate. He was a private citizen and n- had no protections other than First yeah, Amendment, yeah. Uh, which are not covered in a court case. So, I think Donald Trump uh uh is probably gonna get away with pretty much anything he wants to in this case.
2: Are you guys worried about the next couple of days here? Are you worried about violence, Jeannie?
8: Yeah, I mean, we heard the NYPD called everybody out for Tuesday when this Every is going to happen. Every officer in
2: uniform. Yeah. Every
8: uniform, non uniformed, it's going to be an absolute circus down in lower Manhattan, um, you know, so I, I do think, and what we're hearing is that just very much like we saw after Mar-a-Lago, you know, it's probably something more along the lines of a lone wolf if something happens versus a big, um, concerted uh, you know, sort of a rally and, you know, if that does happen um, certainly in New york they are well poised to address that and we've already seen the barriers go up down there Mm -hmm. so you know i don't think that would turn violent hopefully but you know we never know what what can happen we did not predict january 6 after all the chatter that was out there leading up to it
2: what do you think rick is it a worry that you have or or are you more concerned about the lone wolf as we heard from some law enforcement officials this week
7: yeah i i actually hope that's the case um um It's certainly no indication today that uh, the kind of death and destruction that Donald Trump predicted would happen if he were indicted has occurred. And I I hope people keep their heads and realize that this is going to be going on probably for the entire year ahead of us, if not more. And 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 so I'm I'm hoping that, you know, officials take opportunities over the weekend and, and early next week. Yep. to to make public statements that tr- help you know tamp down any potential um, tamp down um, uh, n- you know violent activity.
2: Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, our panel. This is Bloomberg.
3: Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at steeplecom That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com.
2: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
1: You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. The TuneIn app, bloomberg.com and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, "Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130."
2: Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's firing back at Republicans in the House primarily here in Washington de- de- demanding his testimony. Over the indictment of Donald Trump, remember there were three House chairs who asked for Bragg to come to Washington, sit for an interview, and provide materials from the investigation. He said no. And when we asked Congressman Jim Comer, who chairs the Oversight Committee, about this a couple days ago on balance of power, he said he was open to sending Mr. Bragg a subpoena. Bragg's grand jury, of course, voting to bring charges against Donald Trump in this hush money uh, case involving Stormy Daniels, sent a letter to House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan, Bragg's general counsel, Leslie Dubeck, said the jurors had found probable cause to charge Trump. Jim Jordan is on this, Brian Stile, House Administration Committee, James Comer, who I just mentioned. I've got the uh, letter here. March 31, 2023. Sent by email, but we printed it anyway. Like any other defendant, he writes, Mr. Trump is entitled to challenge these charges in court and avail himself of all processes and protections that New York State's robust criminal procedure affords. What neither Mr. Trump nor Congress may do is interfere with the ordinary course of proceedings in New York State. We heard this morning from Joe Tacopina, Donald Trump's lawyer, talking on ABC's Good Morning America that it's the end of justice as we know it.
1: In my 32 years as a lawyer, both as a prosecutor and defense attorney, um, I feel like the rule of law died yesterday in this country, and it's not something that I'm happy about.
2: The rule of law died yesterday. Let's get into this right now with Robert Mintz, former federal prosecutor partner at McCarter in English. Robert, thank you for being with us. From your experience, do you see it the same way?
5: Well, I certainly have seen cases where defense lawyers have challenged prosecutors and gone public with their view that the theory of prosecution is unsupported by the law. But that's something that is generally hashed out in court before the trial judge. And I've never seen an instance where Congress has sought to question the prosecutor Mm -hmm. about his theory of the case during an ongoing criminal prosecution. It's something that is left to the discretion of prosecutors in the first instance, and then ultimately it's in the hands of the trial judge And the jurors who have to decide the case.
2: Well, I've been looking forward to talking with you, Robert, because there are a lot of people who have no legal experience saying a lot about this case, and we don't even know what the charges are. What are the most important questions that you're asking right now?
5: Well, one of them is what you just said, which is we haven't even seen the indictment. So for people to challenge it without knowing what the charges are, is premature. And of yeah. course, we don't even know what evidence was presented to the grand jury, because that's something that was secret. And again, we, so, so individuals really don't know the evidence behind this case. I mean, there's obviously been some leaks. We know people that have been in and out of the grand jury. So there's been testimony given, but the full extent of that testimony, what people said, what documents prosecutors may or may not have, we just don't know.
2: There's a great chance that this has to do with more than just payments to Stormy Daniels, that there could be other evidence far beyond Michael Cohen's testimony. If we ended up with some 30 counts, as CNN is reporting, is that that what you're inferring here?
5: Well, we just don't know what it's about, but certainly 30 counts, if that reporting proves to be accurate, would suggest that it involves something beyond the hush money payments that were connected to Stormy Daniels.
2: Bloomberg is reporting, uh, Robert, that Donald Trump will be arraigned two fifteen p.m. in the courthouse on Tuesday in lower Manhattan. We understand there will not be a perp walk. He will not be handcuffed. What else will happen, though, when he goes inside the bowels of the court? He'll have the Secret Service with him. What what will Donald Trump go through that day?
5: Well, for one thing, he'll go through history because we've never seen That's a true. former president come in and have to go through the process that any other defendant in this country would go through, which would include taking his fingerprints, a mugshot will be taken, they will swab his cheek to get a mandatory sample for New York's DNA database, they'll get pedigree information. So that's all the standard process that any defendant will go through and that the former president will go through, except that he'll do it being accompanied by Secret Service agents. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think additional steps will be taken so that this will all be done outside of the view of the media nice. and other people who may be gathered at the courthouse
2: does that mean we don't see the the mug shot or not
5: uh, that well, that's a good question i don't know whether we'll see that you know or not but i can
2: assure you it will be taken and at that point he just leaves he enters the non-guilty plea and then goes home they're not going to put him in some sort of holding cell i presume right
5: no no i don't we won't expect that at all this is uh really a low-level felony. Let's keep that in mind. While prosecutors here have charged what could be a misdemeanor as a felony, given the way that they've tied it to alleged campaign violations, it's still the low-level felony that in most cases would not result in any jail time, even if convicted. And so we'll see a situation where he's immediately released on bail and will not be detained for any period of time, I expect.
2: There's been a lot of talk about this exceeding the statute of limitations, uh, that this is, you know, more than seven years after the fact. Is is that a real issue, Robert, or, or not something you're concerned with?
5: Well, the statute of limitations for the misdemeanor charge is two years. The statute of limitations for the felony, which is what we're expecting to be charged here, is five years. Hmm. But New York State also has a rule that that five-year statute is told, which means it stops running, when a defendant is out of state so if you add up all the time and Mr. Trump was in Washington was at Mar-a-Lago was outside yep. the state of New York all of that doesn't count towards that five years so I don't expect that we're going to see a stash of limitations issue huh. at the end of the day
3: here
2: how about that that's because that's a talking point you're going to keep hearing all weekend Robert uh, Mintz how concerned are you about violence in lower Manhattan in the coming days
5: well, I think we should be very concerned, given what we've seen previously and given some of the heated rhetoric that's flying around here now. Uh, this is a process that will ultimately go through the courts. Mr. Trump's lawyers will have an opportunity to make motions. They'll have an opportunity to argue before a jury if it ultimately gets to a trial. And ultimately, it will be up to judges to decide whether the prosecutor's Theory holds up here if he's ultimately convicted. I think we have to let that process go forward, and hopefully, people will protest if they believe that this is unjust. But we do have a system in place the judicial system, the separate branch of government. It's not tied to the executive branch, it's not tied uh, to Congress, and uh, we just have to let this process move forward as we would in any other case we've had governors charged we've had sitting senators charged with crimes mm-hmm. and they've gone through the process and ultimately they're either convicted or acquitted and that's what's going to happen here
2: great conversation robert thank you for your expertise robert mintz former federal prosecutor he's now a partner at mccarter in english i'm joe matthew in washington been looking forward to talking with tim o'brien i can't imagine what is going through his head right now bloomberg opinion senior executive editor, and of course, the author of the book, Trump Nation, The Art of Being the Donald. Tim, I wanted to talk to you because you spent so much of your career focused on this individual writing about his alleged transgressions. Did you ever think you'd see this day?
4: Um, you know, Joe, that's a good question. I, to be honest, I, uh, until he became president, I, it wasn't something that I really focused on. I think Donald Trump, the businessman, is very different from Donald Trump, uh, a global leader with his finger on the nuclear button and able to rouse uh, his followers to attack the Capitol on January 6th. They're just completely different forces in the world. And I think at issue right now is whether or not um, he's going to be held accountable under the rule of law. I, I think to a certain extent it's unfortunate that I think the Bragg case is the first test of that proposition because I think it is the weakest of of the various cases arrayed against him right now.
2: That's been the but sort of conventional based, wisdom.
4: That's, but that's based also on I haven't seen the full indictment. Yes, of and, course. And it's, and been, it's right. smart to
2: continue reminding our listeners of that.
4: Right. And any of us out here, any of us talking heads who are saying and opining on, on the indictment and mm-hmm. the merits or lack thereof of Alvin Bragg's suit have not seen the indictment. And it's been reported that there's more than 30 counts in it. And if that's the case, there's a possibility that it goes well beyond, you know, falsification of, of business records and campaign finance violations for the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels. Uh, it may encompass other things that none of us have known about. And Bragg may have a, a broader and, and more robust set of facts behind him than is currently known. I mean, he's got enough now, it would appear uh on a you know for a a minor felony charge Hmm. um uh but you know you're you're wading into really difficult territory when when you're doing that and it involves a president and partisan rancor and everything else that's in play right now
2: you mentioned uh the thought that this is the weakest of the three major cases that he could be facing possible three indictments here michael cohen weighed in on what i believe is his podcast didn't know he had one but he really tried to put this in perspective, Say, my gosh, no, this, we've, been, we've been working on this for a long time, and this is a big deal. Some
3: of you may be disappointed that it's not enough. But you must understand that getting to this point, breaking through Trump's failings of lawyers and his daily obfuscation and intimidation was no small feat. This is a man who is used to bending the wheels of justice to his favor and has done so countless times. He's
2: certainly passionate about it. Does he have a point, Tim?
4: Well, it sounds like the Home Shopping Network right there. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I think, you know, Michael has his own axe to grind, as do many observers around here, around this. Here's, yeah. here's what I think, you know, there's actually there's a potential of five major cases against him. Right now, there's three active uh, that we know of, but, you know, the, the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case, the New York State General, Attorney General Civil case, a electoral fraud case in Georgia, brought by the Fulton County District Attorney. But the real McGill in all of this to me is, is in the Justice Department. There are two investigations going around, going on right now pertaining to the expropriation of classified records that went to Mar-a-Lago, and Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection. Um, uh, what ties all these cases together are whether or not Donald Trump's going to be held accountable where they diverge is the extent to which he's going to be. He's going to suffer any penalties, mm-hmm. even if even if he is found guilty in 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 the Georgia and the two New York cases. That's not going to keep him out of the White House. I also think all three of them are unlikely to land in the jail. The civil case definitely won't New York. Mm-hmm. But the but the the, the DOJ cases, uh, there are you know, there are laws in which Donald Trump can if he is found guilty of fomenting an insurrection and trying to torch the constitution under the 14th amendment insurrection prevents you from running for for high office in the united states that's right and so he could be prevented from running for office again um i think that's where the rubber meets the road in all of these and i think we sort of have to assign them weight and and relevance based on some of those things having said that each of these prosecutors are independent actors have been charged with looking after the law and enforcing its 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 rules and guidelines they're doing what they're supposed to do by and large that's what we ask of our institutions even when they're flawed and i think it's important that this proceed peacefully
2: michael cohen refers to the lawyers and the fixers and and those surrounding donald trump uh in manhattan or i guess in in this case at mar-a-lago tim bring us inside the apparatus what's happening inside the trump organization today
4: well, I think, you know, I think this is a world they've never been in in before. Donald Trump has spent decades weaponizing the legal system against uh, his opponents, partners and critics and without great consequence to himself. Um, and this is the first time that, that a meaty indictment has landed on his doorstep. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they're in shock, I think, for all of his bravado about being able to take on all opponents. He doesn't want to be humiliated in a public sphere. And there's a possibility that he's going to be handcuffed and perp-walked perp in front of other people. And for a man who is a media addict and, mm. and, and has an unquenchable need for attention, that's not the kind of attention he wants to get. <laughs> so I think that he's I, – I think he's very distressed and probably feeling cornered. And, yeah. a, and a cornered Donald Trump is a dangerous person.
2: Well, he was tweeting – or truthing, I guess it was, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Tim. I'm guessing he was up – all night. What's what's your thought when you look at the the campaign ahead? Will Donald Trump ever stand on a debate stage? Or does he consider himself above that? Will he have to hear from other candidates about this?
4: That's a great that's a great question. I you know, I don't know if he'll consent to stand on a debate stage. To a certain extent that may be irrelevant also because I think regardless he's going to be a very strong force yeah. in the Republican primary. Uh, He has a tight grip on about 30 percent of Republican voters um, and and other candidates have to deal with that reality, which is why they all all walk tentatively around him and these Mm -hmm. sort of grotesque issues he's made. He's put front front and center. Um, The problem is he's not a viable national candidate, I don't think. And so he's got the party held hostage to a certain extent.
2: You're not the first to say that on the program today. Tim O'Brien, I'm delighted you could have some time for us here. Bloomberg Opinion Senior Executive Editor. I'm thinking Tim is going to have to start writing a new book.